Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us this evening for the first Ardent Roundtable podcast of 2021. Uh, I, as I'm sure most of you are, excited to have escaped 2020, and uh, I'm just thrilled to get this podcast rolling again this year. My name is Dylan Lancaster. I'm going to be joined this evening by my co-host, the distinguished Larry Snyder out in Kansas, and we'll be coming out with uh, some new episodes monthly. So keep this on your calendar, second Wednesday of every month, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be hosting these together. The goal of this podcast series, for those of you that haven't been on here before, um, is to have somewhat of a forum for our partners to ask your most pressing questions share your most impactful testimonies, and have a dialogue with fellow colleagues that use regenerative medicine. So with all that being said, please don't be afraid to type questions into the chat. Jump into the conversation if you have any questions. We certainly want to hear from you. So jumping into our topic for the evening, we'd really like to celebrate what we've been up to over the past year, share some advancements in regenerative medicine, and then, of course, if you have any specific questions, Please, again, don't hesitate to jump in. We'd love to hear from you. So starting off, as most of our listeners probably know, we revamped our brand last year, hence the new podcast name. We moved on to Ardent Animal Health with a new logo, brand new colors, in an effort to reposition ourselves as a company known for veterinary innovations. Ardent means a strong sense of compassion, And since we started in 2011, our aim has been to be a company that combines compassion with innovation. And I think our new name, Ardent, encapsulates that idea. So along with our rebrand in 2020, uh, we have launched a new cooler for sample collection. And for those of you that are existing customers, you very well may have gotten an email on this. The best thing about this new cooler, and if you have your video on, I'm actually showing it here on my screen. I've shared my screen for you all. So that's the cooler. The best thing about that cooler is that it can now be used with with three of our services. So now with one cooler, you can send us a tumor sample for the cancer vaccine. You can send us extra stem cell doses for cryo storage. You could send us adipose samples for our spay-neuter banking program. This cooler is completely free to stock. It is reusable, and it's small enough to not take up too much space in your clinic. So you can stock a couple of these at a time, and it's not going to take up a bunch of shelf or counter space, which is really nice. If you want to request one of these coolers, please shoot us an email, info at ardentanimalhealth.com, or you can give us a call, 859-885-7111. We're also now offering histopathology service through VDX Laboratories. The new cooler that I'm showing here includes a specimen cup for the vaccine, as always, with that marble referencing the size of the five gram tumor sample. But it also includes a specimen cup with formula in it where you can put in a sample that we will send off to histopathology for you. This is going to cut out the histopathology middleman, so to speak. And it's really going to simplify the process for both your clinic and our lab. So we've really streamlined that histopathology process. So now that I've made all the announcements that I wanted to make to kind of kick off the year, I'd like to introduce our stem cell guru, Dr. Larry Snyder. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Snyder, as always. And 
you mind just giving our audience some background on yourself and your experience in regenerative medicine? Sure. Sure. I was waiting for you to go. I was waiting for you, Dylan, to go, but wait, there's more. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm Larry Snyder. I'm, I'm a veterinarian. I'm a, I'm a little older probably than, than, than most people out there. I'm a 1976 graduate of Kansas State University. Um, I got introduced to stem cells in 2010 um, through, at that time, it was MetaVet. And we did our first cases um, in November of 2010. We did two dogs then. It took a, it, it's, it's, I understand veterinarians, well, not reluctance, but, but really it's, it's very nervous, very nervous. I started my to take and, and promote, this, uh, promote this to people, uh, to clients, to have them go ahead and it's kind of on a leap of faith. So we did that on two dogs. We did two dogs initially. And even to double down on things, we uh, invited the television stations. So we had a television station there. We had the newspaper. And we did the procedure and even more, we told them to come back in 30 days and in 30 days to reevaluate the dogs to see how they'd done. And they, in 30 days, they did come back. And it was one of those to where we had one of the owners crying because her, her dog had done so well that she told them that she had gotten her puppy back. And um, things have kind of gone on from there. At, at that time in 2000 or in, um, um, 2010, we had no ability to bank cells. So anytime you wanted to repeat it, you had to recollect fat and do it. So right now, it's a huge advantage to be able to, to bank these cells. But we've done uh, dogs. Uh, um, I've been involved with probably 300 cases. I've been involved with dogs and cats. And we've done quite a few horses. We've done a burrow. We've done a kangaroo. We've done a black bear. We've done um, a little bit of, of everything outside of um, uh, if they're mammals. I honestly think uh, stem cell therapy applies across the board, and that includes humans. The same things that apply to dogs apply to humans. It has been kind of interesting that that um, coming out of Kansas State, um, of course, there was no regenerative medicine course, and right now very few universities are advancing regenerative medicine. They're getting to be more I know Dr. Weiss at Kansas State University just had um, a stem cell kind of journal club course in stem, in stem cells this past semester. He had 22 students and it was very well accepted by, uh, by the students there. These were freshmen, sophomore students. So the word is getting out about regenerative medicine. And I'm really congratulating all of you for, for being here and looking at this because what we're taught in school, and I know Anyway, in my case, whatever we used at the university, whatever those instructors told us to use or recommended using, it formed a pattern as we went out in practice. And that goes for what brand of vaccine the, the veterinary school used, what they were recommended. Uh, dog food is a huge one. Uh, that's why um, Hills is so prominent, uh, giving food to their students. Um, to, to establish that pattern to where that's what they consider to be the best. So we're working with stem cells now, kind of getting 
the, um, the, the students to where they realize that this is another, another mode of treatment, a huge tool in our toolkit. So that's kind of my background. In, in um, 2016, I sold my practice. I started uh, University Burden Small Animal Clinic in Topeka, Kansas in 1984. And I sold it to my two associates who've done a very good job with it since then in 2016. And I still work part-time for them. I was at work today. And um, it, I went back to school. I went back to Kansas State University initially as a PhD student and then had some health problems and completed my master's uh, this past August and have a master's in stem cell physiology. But um, that's kind of my background, Dylan. Um, certainly um, more than happy to talk to any veterinarian that has any questions or any concerns about stem cells. I can, if they would like, I'll go as deep into the, into the mechanism of action. That's why I went back to school. I had to learn why these stem cells worked or what we were, what I was expecting of them. To me, when we started, it was kind of magic. Um, didn't really have much of an idea of why. Now I have a lot better idea of why they work, what I can expect them to do. And you'd think that may have narrowed my, my scope of action. It has done just exactly the opposite of that. I think stem cells are going to be um, truly tomorrow's medicine. And I, I hope uh, that uh, all of you out there will see the same thing that I have as you go through your journey. Dr. Snyder, I think you, you hit on something important there. And please, if anyone has any questions, please uh, type them into the chat. We're, we'd love to hear from you. Um, but you went back to Kansas State University to learn more about stem cells because stem cells, the, the, the results that you were seeing fostered such a, such a passion in you uh, to, 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 to want to go back to school. Um, what were your primary takeaways from your coursework and from your studies at Kansas State University on regenerative medicine? Yeah, I um, I dove really deep into the into the molecular into the molecular biology. Actually, uh, although my my master's was in the College of Veterinary Medicine at Kansas State, um, a lot of my coursework was in in um, the Department of Biology in uh, um, mo molecular biology, cell biology, advanced cell biology, and all of those courses. I found it to be just absolutely fascinating. But um, essentially, there is a there is a definite mechanism of how these stem cells do what they do. I was reading comments uh, from some veterinarians about, well, the stem cells do not go in and engraft in the tissue. And that's true. Um, you inject the stem cells into a joint. There is very little proof that they engraft or they they form cartilage cells or they, they form synoviocytes, very little evidence of that. But what they do do in that joint is they're like the foreman on a job. They, they go into the joint, they sense what's there through, the, through these chemokines or these cytokines that are present in this inflamed joint, and they start secreting factors, which actually are uh, exosomes for those that are those that are familiar with exosomes, they're how the cell communicates with other cells. Uh, every bit of fluid in our body is loaded with these exosomes. And 
these cells in that joint secrete these exosomes. The exosomes have um, microRNA, they have DNA, they have protein that actually communicates directly with the other cells in this joint, turning on protein synthesis, turning off protein synthesis, and actually changes the environment in these cells, tamps down this inflammation, stimulates cells to go ahead and proliferate, stops cells that are over-proliferating. So there is very much a mechanism of, mechanism of action. And that was what I, I took um, from this coursework. It actually, I, I found it just to be so absolutely elegant in the way that these cells communicate and, uh, and how this all seems to fit together. I hope that answered, did that answer? Yeah, no, that, I think that certainly, uh, certainly answers the question. And I think it's, uh, I think it's really important to be able to share that with everybody after, uh, after your experiences at Kansas State University. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Anybody that's out there that would like to learn more, more about it. I was just looking at my, I've, I've got an endnote um, that I put articles on. I think I'm up to like almost 3,300 articles. Um, on all sorts of different things, but primarily on stem cells, stem cell biology. It's the research is absolutely phenomenal with what's out there. So anyone that would like to talk more about this or any way that I can help anybody, um, I, I hate to say justify it because to me, the, the biology justifies the use of these, but any way that I can help other veterinarians, um, use stem cells in their practice i'm more than happy to dylan yeah certainly certainly we we, we definitely appreciate dr snyder as a resource and uh, like he said he is open as a resource to each and every one of you that's on this call um, so please don't hesitate to reach out to us let us know if you have a question i know dr snyder would be happy to uh happy to speak with you dr snyder i think you have one of the more impactful cases of treating an animal with stem cell therapy that I've ever heard, uh, in that German shepherd. Um, do you mind speaking to that case a little bit and maybe telling the group about that case? I know it was one of the first ones you did and well, the Coco? Really blew you away. The Coco case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Coco. She was, she was a, a Coco was a, was an 18 year old and it wasn't a German shepherd. It's German short hair, but the owner at 18 years, 18 years, uh, a lot of arthritis issues. You, you can imagine it was easier to find a joint that didn't have, that, that didn't have, it was harder to find a joint that didn't have arthritis than it was one to find that, that did. Um, owner is a very feisty German lady, uh, just love her to death, but she wanted something to help Coco. Um, where do you inject a dog where every joint has arthritis, number one. Number two, an 18-year-old German short hair. Typically, I advise everyone to wear, if you're going to collect the fat to do the stem cells, bank stem cells. And as I explained with this case, it's even stronger after this case. But we did cocoa and we just did a small kit, a 20-gram kit at the time. We harvested the stem cells. We injected her worst joints, which actually were her stifles and her hips. We did stifles and hips on Coco. And as we, 
stem cells, which we recommend, or I do anyway, I recommend giving stem, with stem cells IV to every animal we treat. And when we did Casey's. the cocoa and we got the, uh, the stem cells, got them injected in her, um, the owner, Coco, was now taking two-mile walks. Um, they live, um, the owner lives about two hours away from here. I was getting videos, regular videos from her showing Coco going for two mile walks once a day, just doing great. And I thought when we did her, we'd just do a single kit. We didn't need to store the cells because an 18 year old German shepherds are not German shepherd, German short hair. What are the odds that she's going to live to be 19? Well, Coco did live to be 19. And the next year, um, Kirsten was back in the clinic wanting to do stem cells on cocoa again at 19. Uh, at that time, we were able to, now let's give her a little bit more time. Cocoa died when she was close to 20 years old. And I regret not having gone ahead and banked cells so we could repeat that. So I would recommend to everyone that's uh, going to be doing stem cell procedures um, to be sure and bank cells, uh, the spay neuter, Stem cell program is an excellent way to have these these cells ready for you ready for you to use. So those are those are my words of wisdom, Dylan. On that, yeah. And again, to celebrate the new cooler that we have, please use that cooler to send us samples. And as you can see on the graphic that I'm showing right now, we're also uh, offering lifetime stem cell banking, and so that's cutting out that $150 residual uh, stem cell banking fee. And so that's just one fee and those cells are going to be in cryo storage for the rest of that pet's life. Um, so really important there. And I think it's a really nice, more cost effective option for somebody that's banking stem cells more early in, in the pet's life. Of course, Absolutely. one of our partners typed in a, a nice question for you, Dr. Snyder, um, just diagnosed a eight month old dog with hip dysplasia. The owners want to do stem cell therapy, but the dog is still growing with open growth plates they were wondering if they should wait until the dog is 12 months old or older before performing stem cell. No. Um, and no. was also wondering if you are still advising intraarticular injections or more so IV. In one of the webinars she attended last year, uh, there was talk about putting almost all the cells in IV. So um, if you could just shed some light on that for us, Dr. Snyder. On, this is not, this is, stem cells will not affect the growth potential of this dog at all. I would use both both the intraarticular and the IV form. Probably, probably if I was on on a young dog like this, I would probably focus on the focus on the hips and do most of my most of my injection or most of my stem cell volume that I'm using on the hips of this dog. Still do an IV, still do an IV dose, but primarily I want to concentrate on, on the hips on a young dog like this and bank uh, a majority of these cells. I, I really think this dog is gonna benefit as he gets older with these cells. So I would, I would wanna get every dose that I could banked on him, but it, it will not affect the growth, growth potential of this, of this dog at all. It's uh, gonna, it, he, he will benefit. We've done some young dogs and, um, very, very positive results, very positive results on these guys before there's a tremendous amount of, of osteoarthritis in these guys. What we have seen clinically 
is the reduction in the osteoarthritis, um, doing, doing um, uh, cruciate tears. When we were doing um, imbrication, or not the imbrication, but the, but the stabilization of, of, um, of these guys, um, and we did stem cells at the same time, We've gone back two and three years later and x-rayed these dogs. And I have the x-rays if, if anyone would like to share them. Um, as far as the, the absolute lack of osteoarthritis in these guys, when, we, when we've, um, um, gosh, I'm thinking back how many, that would be 2012 when we did one of these guys and we re-x-rayed it in 2014. There was absolutely not a bit of arthritis in the joint of that dog. So I would in really encourage you going ahead and getting the cells in and you'll have them banked so you can repeat them as you need to. Thank you very much, Dr. Snyder. And thank you to our partner for the awesome question. Got another question in the chat for you here, Dr. Snyder. Cool. Um, how would you use stem cells for uh, kidney disease? Kidney disease in cats. Cats are pretty straightforward. I've had very good success doing, doing um, stem cells in cats. Um, and I do believe this uh, question is specific to cats. Cats. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent uh, use of stem cells um, on, on on felines. I've had much better success than I have on canines. And if on, on using this, we'll go ahead and harvest harvest the fat, process the stem cells. I try to go ahead and if we, if people are comfortable getting into that perirenal fossa with the stem cells injecting into the perirenal fossa, the, because the kidneys are, are retroperitoneal, they're outside of the, of, the, of the body cavity, if we can get the, if we can get the, uh, the stem cells in that perirenal fossa and uh, also the IV dose, if we can't and we can, we can deliver the stem cells IP in the, in the peritoneum, direct them toward the kidney, that seems to work fairly well. I've even had uh, um, one veterinarian that's injected into the kidney, not that I would recommend doing that at all. Um, she said it worked very well. It makes me a little, little uh, uncomfortable saying that, but that has been done. Dogs, I haven't seen. There are people that have had extremely good luck using stem cells in canine renal, renal failure. Um, but it certainly, to, to me anyway, was a lot more, um, a lot more just impressive, the results we got from cats. I mean, these cats that, that are in kidney failure, they don't want to eat, they're lethargic. And after the stem cells, these cats are, are, eating. They're acting much better. In fact, a study that was done by Colorado State several years ago, Jessica, Jessica Quigby, had, uh, had noted that the uh, BUN and creatinine did not improve very much in these cats, but these cats were eating, acting good, and the owners were happy with the results they were seeing. And bottom line is these cats did very well for an extended period of time and um, on the ones that I've done, when the owners are telling me that they're beginning to get a little lethargic, they're not wanting to eat again, and we repeat the stem cells, oftentimes that's six months to a year later, we can repeat it and, and get these cats back up acting, 
acting pretty good. And so the owners have been quite enthusiastic about the results on these. How much blood would you collect from a cat if you wanted to do a PRP treatment? PRP, you can, you can collect, let's see, it's about, I think the recommendations are what, 10, 10 mils per kilo is max. That's the, that's the maximum that you can collect on these guys. And that's once every 30 days. And I think that's pretty rule of thumb on, on, uh, um, you know, taking blood from animals. I tend to be a little more on the conservative side and stay a little bit under that, but uh, the recommendations is you can go up to 10 mils per kilo. I think this is a, a really excellent question for everybody in the group here. Uh, Dr. Schneider, how do you pick your cases to recommend stem cell therapy? <laughs> it's, it's more like how do you not, to, to me, stem cells are um, in every arthritis case, it's, it's brought up as an option. Um, kidney failure, it's brought up as an option. It becomes one of the possibilities. It's not for everyone. Um, the interesting thing is oftentimes, you know, they always, they always told us, don't try to read the wallet of your, of your, of your client. Um, I've had one client, I would have sworn that these, they were elderly people. I would have sworn that they really didn't have much more than two nickels to rub together. And a little dachshund named Rusty who had intervertebral disc syndrome. And I would have uh, thought that probably that was not an option for them. And they wanted to have it done and they did. Um, and Rusty did, did very, very well. In fact, better than the owners of the, of his owners who were elderly now Rusty was very a young dachshund that was very mobile uh, after the stem cells, and they had a hard time keeping up with him. But yeah, don't try to read the don't try to read the wallet of the people. But it's it's one to where it becomes not only me talking to the people about stem cells, the receptionist is talking to people about stem cells. COVID nineteen makes it more difficult because. The, the conversations are either on the phone or out at car side. It makes it much more difficult to, to have a conversation while you're working on the animal. But uh, to me, it, it becomes just part or one of the options for them. It, it's, uh, like I said, not for everyone, but from, for me, I'm very comfortable in, in, in talking to the owners about possibilities, what they can, what they can do to help their animals. And like I said, it's, it's surprising the ones that want to do it. It's almost like you can't talk them out of it. Um, but it, it, it presents a real um, viable option for a lot of these arthritis cases. And I would encourage you, not only arthritis, I don't know why I'm saying just arthritis, because we're using an autoimmune disease, atopy, we've done pimpicus cases, um, I think um, immune system, I was just talking to a veterinarian earlier tonight that immune system disease may be one that's on the forefront that we're going to be looking at more and more about stem cell therapy because stem cells have a really amazing ability to modulate the immune system through regulation of the, of the lymphocytes, the, the T4 and T8 lymphocytes and upregulation of the Tregs. So there's a lot of things that I think we're going to see with the uh, with immune modulation and being able to treat these diseases that we've 
haven't really had much success with in the past, but I'd enjoy to talk to anyone about the possibility of these. Dr. Snyder, I think this question is in relation to the eight month old dog with hip dysplasia. Well, what do you think would be a good estimate at when a repeat uh, injection would be needed, uh, being that the owners would be aware of the need to maintain optimal body weight and exercise? Absolutely. Uh, that's a good point. The optimal body weight exercise um, and, and realistic exercise on, on these guys. Rehabilitation, I think, with stem cells is a huge, huge um, area that needs to be addressed on, on every osteoarthritis dog as far as uh, keeping, these, keeping these animals thin and keeping them well exercised. But um, I would probably on, on a young dog like this, evaluate this dog at 30 day intervals. You may have to repeat it at 30 days. I wouldn't think so. Um, uh, it may be more like at six months to a year, but uh, depending on how the dog uh, responded, the, the interesting thing is we're working with cell therapy. So we're, we're working with, with uh, live cells and animals' responses to, to live cell treatment. So everyone's going to be different. But I would expect uh, um, to evaluate the dog at 30-day intervals. I would kind of guess maybe about, about six months, you may have to go ahead and repeat. On some of the younger dogs we've done, it's been out a year or more before we have to repeat on these guys. So what would be the what would be the average repeat interval? Uh, and the ones that we've that we've seen on younger dogs, probably a year or more. Older dogs, probably with with um, some proliferative osteoarthritis, you're probably looking at probably retreating these dogs at 30 days, depending on how the dog's responding and how they're rehabilitating. got a nice comment here in the chat from one of our partners did a bilateral hip injections on a 13 year old cat with chronic kidney disease uh, gave him some cells iv his kidney values never changed after that he lived to be 18 years old and did not pass away from chronic kidney disease that's that's the cool thing and it's like the owners are just the owners are tickled pink dylan i mean it's like you've that's all they're asking for is just to give the animals a chance. If we, sure. can, if we can give them a chance, they're, <laughs> they're, I hate to say eternally grateful, but they're certainly very happy with, uh, with being able to do something for their animal. Much like Coco, we were talking about the, the 18, 19 year old dog, the owner. In fact, we've done one other, we've done her next dog and probably be going to be doing her dog after that. Um, they see the benefit of stem cell therapy. So I think um, it's, it's, it's one to where the letting the people know it's available or letting the clients know it's available. They may not want to do it on that pet, but I'll guarantee that it's in the back of their mind if they have another case and they may be able to afford it then, or they may have a neighbor that has an animal they will be talking to other people about stem cell therapy and the veterinarians that are offering it are seen as the, um, they're doing cutting edge medicine. They're on the, they're on the, on the front lines. They're on the, on the cutting edge of, of uh, regenerative medicine. Clients remember that and they come back for it too. 
I talk to pet owners weekly that are sharing testimonies with me that, uh, that blow me away. And it's why we at Ardent love coming to work every day. I'm um, getting absolutely. to hear those stories from pet owners saying this changed my dog's life. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible and very, uh, very nice to hear. Um, back to the repeat intervals. Well, would you repeat yearly for life if you were being more or less aggressive? What, what would you say, Dr. Snyder? Well, I hate to I hate to put a time frame on it because, like I said, it's a biologic product a product. So I would go more on how the dog's doing. What the, I put a lot in what the owner's perception of how the dog's doing. Um, one thing that we hadn't mentioned before that I would encourage everyone to do that we have that we have done in my practice is videotape every dog, every cat that you do. Get that. Have a video have a video of how that animals with cell phones. Now it's a piece of cake to do, but record how that animal's doing at before you do the procedure in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, your follow-ups. It's amazing that if the owners are thinking that it's not doing anything, it's always nice to play back that video so they can see how their animal looked before they, uh, they had stem cells. It really helps you um, reinforce with that owner that that they're getting improvement. And I really, we've had we've had some dogs that the owner I talked to him at at sixty days. Well, how's how's the dog doing? One I can think of is a big Newfoundland tank. How's the dog doing? Oh, they didn't think he was doing a whole lot better. So we pulled up the video and showed them, and they looked at the video and I said, Well, I guess he is doing a lot better then. So be sure and use the videos to help. It, it will help um, a great deal. Yeah. And to, to expand on that point, post those videos on your Facebook page, get those testimonials up there. It's so impactful for generating new cases, bringing new people into your clinic to do stem cell therapy. Also share those videos with us. We love to share those on our Facebook page as well. Put them on our website. We could do a potentially a Facebook ad for you. So keep that in mind and use that as a marketing tool as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it also, you know, right now with, with social media, um, when we started in 2010, it wasn't available. So we did radio advertising and it's still 10 years later, we still have people that remember the radio ads. So every <laughs> bit of advertising that you do right now with social media, it's so inexpensive to do. Absolutely. It's out to a lot of people. And it's, like I said, it's not the you know, not all of them are going to use it today, but it's in the back of their mind. They, you know, that it's, you've kind of primed the pump. They've got it. They've got it on their, they've got it on their. Um, um, you got to plant those yeah. seeds, let them know that it's an option. Absolutely. That, that, that is planting the seeds for the future. Absolutely. Dylan. That's right. Dr. Snyder, could you speak to some uses in neurological cases? <laughs> those, you know, that, the neurological cases are, are interesting, especially spinal injuries. Um, of course, one that we see a lot is spondylosis, which I don't know if you want to call it neurologic or, or osteoarthritis, spinal osteoarthritis, but certainly um, it is slower. Once again, it's not the stem cells that are, that are doing the, the heavy lifting. The stem cells are signaling. It's a cell signaling. Um, to the, to these cells, um, these in the spinal cord. Um, 
we're it's going to be much slower uh, and that's been my experience is, is when we're working with some of these these dogs with these um, proprioceptive deficits the uh, the the chron maybe chronic IBDD cases with uh, um, uh, delayed proprioception I like the um, the epidural injections I think epidurals are a are a huge tool for us the paravertebral injections if we can get down next to these um, to these intervertebral uh, foramen or into these uh, uh, facets, these uh, little um, uh, intervertebral joints, I think we can do some some real good on uh, some real benefit on that. Um, the the jury is still out on a lot of the like spinal complete. Um, um, spinal disease, like an IVD, IVDD that the dog is completely paralyzed. There have been several people that have done intrathecal injections of stem cells with very, very beneficial results. Uh, Dr. Tom Newland in Arizona uh, has done a couple of them um, with good results. I know Dr. Dr. Noel Berger in South Carolina has a, had a little Yorkie that was hit by a car and uh, um, completely paralyzed in the back in the back legs and came through it. It was a lot of work for them and a lot of time, but uh, the stem cells, once again, the cell signaling, the cells you think may not be viable uh, if given the right the right uh, um, cues can go ahead and uh, I don't want to say regenerate, but go ahead and and become um, usable again. So that's a huge one. I'd love to, I'd love to see more work done on that. Uh, there's a lot of, we look some at uh, pug dog encephalitis, these, uh, these uh, encephalitides, um, possibility of, of course, that's inflammatory disease of really tamping that down. So there's so many things that we could, we could look at and, and uh, think with some with some potential for some real positive outcomes. Sure, and with the help of uh, with the help of our partners, we're we're finding new uh, new uses for this yearly. Uh, this is something that is growing. It continues to advance, and really, I wanted to speak to the advancements of regenerative medicine this evening. And I, I think we have very well. And uh, I would just encourage everybody to uh, think of stem cell therapy, platelet rich plasma. It's a it's a tool in your tool chest. It's a tool on your tool belt. Don't forget it's there offer it to people. It never hurts to offer. So um, just keep that in mind, everybody. Um, that is all the time that we have left for this evening. I do appreciate everybody getting again. on here. going to shut me up again, Dylan. <laughs> well, I, I certainly appreciate everybody getting on here and uh, please get on next month. Uh, again, it's the second Wednesday of every month, 8 PM. We'd love to have you all back. We're, we really like to build a community of our partner veterinarians and anybody interested in regenerative medicine to meet up once a month and, uh, and just share our experiences, answer questions. And like you always say, Dr. Snyder, and I agree with you, we learn something new every, every time we do one. Of every these. time. If they have questions they think of during the month and want to shoot them off to you yes. to, to talk about at the following meeting, even if you're not, even if the veterinarian's not going to be able to make the next month, they can always get on the podcast and we'll talk about their question. Absolutely. 
Great point, Dr. Snyder. These podcasts can be found on iTunes. So just search Ardent Roundtable. And to the point that he just said, my email is Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N, at ardentanimalhealth.com. If you guys want to write that down, um, send me any questions that you might have, and we will cover them on the, on the next webinar. So again, thank you, everybody, for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it, and we will see you next time. Have a great evening. Yep.